0: Well, let's go ahead and get into your notes. Like my wife said, if you've got your YouVersion app open, notes are on there. Otherwise, you've got your bulletin. And um, this is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the, the day, like the, the guys talked about, when Jesus came in and, and, is, and came into Jerusalem the rest of his life. It's, it's the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life. And it all centers around Jerusalem. And we understand, and next week we're going to talk about the end of it. And we talk about what, a, what a, a savior and a sacrifice that he is. But we have to understand where all this thing gets going. And it's about this, the beginning part of it. And Palm Sunday is where this last week gets kicked off. And so the first thing in your notes you see that Palm Sunday is about Jesus being the king. It's about him being the king. Now when we come into Palm Sunday, when we study Palm Sunday, when we look at Palm Sunday then we need to know what we're looking for. Otherwise, we may kind of look at it and read the story and maybe look at it through the wrong filter. But this is about Jesus being the king. Now, we talk about him being our savior, and we talk about him that, that we have no better friend than Jesus, and he is all of that, but we can never, ever, ever, ever forget that Jesus is our king, that he's come to rule and to reign, that he has a kingdom, that we're to follow him, that all of those different things. Because if we don't know what we're looking for, we're, we're going we're gonna to get the wrong thing. This is baseball season. My young, youngest son, Carson, is playing baseball. And it's like baseball practice and games like constantly. And it's just baseball, baseball, baseball. And, and um, I was reminded of a story about the, the old manager from the 30s and 40s of the Chicago Cubs. A man named Charles Grimm. And of course, managers are always on the lookout for new talent. So they have their scouts out checking out the talent. Well, one of his scouts gives him a call back at the at the clubhouse, and and the, he had his scout on the line, and uh, his scout calls him and tells him he goes, "I've got the greatest young pitcher in the land. This guy is absolutely incredible." He says he <coughs> struck out twenty seven guys in a row. Nobody even got a bat on the ball till somebody got a foul after there were two outs in the ninth inning. Finally, somebody got a foul. He says. Says, what do you want me to do about this? I've got him right here. What do you want me to do? Well, he didn't hesitate. Charlie Graham didn't hesitate at all. He said, get the guy that hit the foul. We're looking for hitters. (laughs) He knew what he wanted. Sometimes we can get distracted if all of a sudden something else becomes tries to present itself and become this the shining thing. If we don't remember what it is we're actually looking for, something else may distract us and carry us off. When we begin to dig into the story about Palm Sunday, this is about a king. It is about Jesus being our king. Matthew 21 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethany on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, This is where Jesus goes and hijacks a donkey. says, to the village ahead of you. And, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her name. There are times I would like to commandeer a ride. I'd send a couple of disciples to go get me a pony. Nice Mustang. A blue one. Thank you very much, my dear. We're on the same page together. Um... <clears throat> Donkey tied there and her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, let him or tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right, <clears throat> he will send them right away. This took, this took place. This is the whole reason this is taking place. To fulfill what was spoken through the prophet, which is Zechariah, found in Zechariah 9. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your kingdom comes to you, gentle and riding. On a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Your king comes to you gentle and on a donkey. Like our little video pointed out, it's a big deal. If a king came in on a donkey, he was coming in as, as a victor in a time of peace. If he came in on a horse, he was there to rally the troops and to inspire and say, okay, it's now time to defend our turf. He came in as a warrior. He came in time. Okay, now it's time to do something. When he rode in on a donkey, it was a sign that things were at peace, that the victory was already there, and that he ruled from a place of security and authority. Jesus, when he came in as king, that's how he rode in. He didn't ride in with a with a sword flashing. Now we're about to see that doesn't didn't mean that he came in all all necessary timid and not ready to do something we'll get into that in just a minute but we also see then that since this is about a king then Palm Sunday is about the response to the presence of the king when there's a king there's a there's a response there's something that's gonna happen That was one of the great things about about going and doing youth events, I started in ministry as a youth pastor. Youth is in my blood. I just absolutely love doing youth stuff. It is so incredible to just watch the transformation, watch God move in their lives. amen, and it's just cool to watch them come into the presence of God. I tell you what, we had a nice little time of you know about 18, 19 minutes of worship. It was great. I enjoyed it, but it was cool to be with about 10,000 teens that worship for an hour and 45 minutes because they wanted to not because somebody made them because they wanted to there's a response to the king that it was just ah there's a response and we see in matthew 21 that there's some responses the disciples went and did as jesus had instructed them they brought the donkey and the colt placed their cloaks on them and jesus sat on them so we the first response we see is there's this response of obedience by the disciples Guess what? The disciples, those that have plugged in and recognize his king, recognize his authority. There's going to be some obedience. Folks, we're about to get in that there's going to be a lot of fanfare. And when the dust settles, you and I as Christ followers, we want to not just be whooped up in the fanfare. We'll be walking in a place of obedience to our king. Okay, This was the first response we see to this. It's just simple obedience. See, we see a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground. They were recognizing that there was royalty coming in and they didn't want the donkey that he came in on foot to touch dirt. So they take their clothes. Now, they didn't kind of go down to the mall and get stuff. I mean, this stuff, this donkey hoof could hit there and hit that hard pavement and put cuts in it and tear it up real easily. They just have this wardrobe. Most people wore the same thing day after day. And they take this thing and they lay it down. And they're recognizing his kingship as they're coming in. And he's riding in. And they're laying down these. and While others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. We get from, from John's account the, uh, the whole truth that there were, it was palm branches that they had cut. John's the one that brings that detail in there. But they bring these and they cut these in and they begin to lay them down and the crowd went ahead of him and those that followed shouted Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city, the whole city was stirred. Now this is holy week for them. This is Passover. This isn't just a regular old home crowd of about 50 to 70,000 that lived in Jerusalem on a day-in, day-out basis at that time. Because of the sacrifice, because of the time of year, it had swollen to anywhere between two hundred fifty to 300,000 people there. Jesus rode in and went in the biggest, busiest time. And this whole city is in an uproar, shouting, Hosanna in the highest. In Mark 11, it says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of... Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna in the highest. When you look at the Greek, that actually means what they are shouting. The best translation is save now. Save now. Save now. This was an oppressed people. This was a people that had the splendor of Solomon and were now dominated by the Roman Empire. These were the guys that when we read, go the extra mile, that Jesus says, go the second mile. The only people that that applied to were the Romans that could look at them because they were an oppressed people. And say, hey, I want you to carry my bag a mile. There was nothing they could do. And Jesus said, you know what? When that happens to you, I want you to respond. I want you to go the second mile. This is the type of this just oppression and just this domination. And they hated it. They despised it and here comes their king and they're ready now save now save now let's get this done now and you know what i think that that was a good response because the word tells us guess what today is the day of salvation today is if your heart is ringing out for a king guess what it's screaming save now it's not god leave me in the lurch for a couple more months and then you know save me no, it's screaming "save now," and that is what they are shouting. That is the response of these people. Now, sadly, sadly, we get less than a week. I tell you what. You think things, You think people can come into the media and be, be all awesome and then like disappear fast in our day and age with 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 Twitter and all the stuff that we've got going on? Jesus is, has this parade, this parade, okay, that freaks out the, that freaks out the people, the, the priests and all them, so much so that we're about to get, get into something else in just a minute. But it, it, it's just that here's this king, and that just when we get to Friday, and, the, and he's been beaten and arrested, and everybody that's around him has run out on him, And he's all alone and they're trying to figure out there's this crowd of people that are shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. See, the problem with getting wrapped up into just the fanfare of Jesus is if things don't go the way you think they're going to go, they thought that he was about to bring it. They're going with it. Save now! Save now! Save now! All of a sudden they're poking out their chest at the Romans that they're looking at. We're about to bring it. Our king is here. We're done with this. And then the week goes by. And it's not what they're thinking. So all of a sudden, uh, he must not be it. Now what do we do with him? We'll kill him. We're done with him. We're what we thought he was. If we just get whooped up in the fanfare, and we don't purpose to walk in obedience, when things don't go the way we think, the Jesus we thought that we were going to have, the way we thought things were maybe going to roll, And end up kind of trying to discard it and put away. We don't want that. We're Christ followers. We're the ones that walk in obedience. We're not going to get whooped up into this, into the frenzy, and just be fans. We're followers, not fans. We want to have that kind of response. The next thing we see is that uh, Palm Sunday is about that our King. Has come to set things right. He's come to set things right. But not necessarily the way everybody thought that he was going to. Not the way he thought they were going to. Let's look at Matthew 21. We hear they get a glimpse. They think, oh, yes. Here's our warrior. Here's our warrior. Here he is. He's coming. We're singing Save Now. And this just flows right into it. We're out of. <clears throat> out of the the them shouting hosanna in the highest, we get into verse twelve, and Jesus entered the temple area, and he drove out all who were buying and selling there. Another one that says that he actually made a made a whip, braided a whip. He's there in there, looking all Indiana Jonesy, got his Jesus hair blowing. Pa-cha! He's tearing it up, and he overturns the tables. Of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Why? It says, it is written, he said, my house will be called a house of prayer. And you are making it a den of robbers. Wow. Here was the real oppression. He was coming to save now. There was oppression. There were those that were taking advantage and oppressing the people. But you know what it was? It was an abusive, destructive, go-nowhere religious system. The thing centered on, on things that had got into form with no substance. It had had this powerless thing. It said, you have made it. You've taken what is supposed to be a house of prayer, this place of connecting with God. And you've made it a den of robbers. What they were doing is that all these pilgrims, all these guys that had come in from all the other place, they were charging them way too much for the, for the sacrifices that they had to do. Man, they were like entrepreneur out. I mean, they were just going crazy. And these, this crew knew it. These, these Save Now people, they knew that this was going on. And so they were still cool with this. because They knew they were being oppressed here. But that was the oppression. That was the aggression. That was what Jesus was coming against. Was what what the religiousism had turned into. And turning it back into something that connected us with the heart of God. A house of prayer. That was what it was about. That was the oppression Jesus came in. That was the king who was going to set things right. And we see that he begins to do it. Because right in that place. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple. And he heals them right there. This is what's supposed to be happening here. Not abuse, healing. Not oppression, healing. May I tell you what, if Celebration Church is nothing else, we pray that people get healed here. People walk in wounded, frustrated, broken, and get put back together by the Spirit of God. That's what we want. That's what we pray for. That's what we believe God for. And see, in these... These, uh, uh, everybody let him alone. They let him do it. You know, we've talked about, man, Jesus just must, of course, he was a carpenter, so he had some Popeye forearms or something. I mean, Jesus was a man's man. He wasn't all, sad little sweet Jesus. No, he was a carpenter. And he comes in and turns the tables over and braids the whip. I mean, he's, he's a man. But you know what? There were He was a man. He was a man. Now, we see in Luke 22, this is, Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, there is a temple guard, some bad dudes that are there around the temple to keep people from going crazy and turning over tables and all that kind of stuff. And the elders who had come to him and they're now, they come to him in secret in the garden and this is where they arrest him. These temple guards. So where are these temple guards when Jesus is flipping the tables? They're all freaked out because the whole crowd is on his side. All of a sudden, they got big and bad and tough when the crowd had gotten frustrated and gone, hmm, this isn't what we thought he was. Then they sneak in and then they're all tough and then they're beating him and putting him on show and then we see all their braggadocious and then playing their role in his crucifixion at the end of the week. But here, these temple guards are mad, angry cowards in the corner. Because the king has showed up. Everybody knows he's the king. He's the king. Palm Sunday is about the fact that the self-important religious crowd missed it. But the kids got it. Remember, this belongs to the kids. Now here, the self-important religious crowd, okay? If anybody in this room is going to fall into that the easiest, guess who it is? It's me. Anybody's going to slip into the role of the self-important religious person. I kind of know what's expected. I know what this. Is. I know what Jesus is all about. I know what this all is. It's me. So I read this story. I go, I, I, Lord, help me not to ever, ever be this. God, help me to be like these kids. Because if we think we know. What jesus is going to do then we'll we 'll miss it it 'll be plain as day, but we 'll miss it. We just spent the week in at the art conference, and it was incredible i mean just it was awesome time and um but uh i one one morning to to get some breakfast and so I'd go down and have the the breakfast there and and I paid way too much for a breakfast buffet <laughs> and uh go down and get the stuff and this lady's helping me and um i don 't know where she 's from; she was not from. Texas and so I couldn't quite fully understand her and so I think she was from some sort of an island or something. I don't know I'm not even gonna try to figure it out anyway but I just couldn't understand her so she's trying to help me out and she's you know she knows I'm I'm getting food food for me food for my wife and she's got me the little breakfast in bed tray and I'm gonna look like the awesome guy walking in with it and uh, <laughs> it was to it <laughs> and uh, so she's getting helping me get some stuff And she's, you know, I've got the eggs and all that. And so she asked if I would like some ketchup. I don't eat ketchup. I think it's vile. I think the devil made it. (laughs) It's horrible. My son eats it. I mean, I think he drinks this stuff. It's ridiculous. Um, But my wife will have it. And so I thought, maybe she'll like some ketchup on her eggs. And I was like, sure, I'd like some ketchup. And she turns to me and then says, one use. Like, I don't know what this means. One use. So I'm assuming she wants to know, since I'm going upstairs, instead of a bottle of ketchup, if I would like a packet. One use of ketchup. (laughs) It's not that big of a leap, folks. My wife thinks it's ridiculous. But it wasn't that big of a leap. One use of ketchup. Yeah, a little packet. Sure. Yeah. I don't understand you anyway. Sure. One use. And so she's like, okay, and I'll get you fresh. Wow, it's packets. How fresh can it be? And uh, she gets a couple of coffee cups. And she runs to the back. And there's coffee sitting right there. And uh, and so and she runs with coffee cups to the back. And I think she's getting me fresh coffee. This woman is her God. She knows I love coffee. And she's going to give me the good stuff from the back. Awesome. She gets my She gets the stuff. Has, puts the lid on it. Puts it on my tray. Comes out. Then... Comes out, and then I go and check out. And then she goes, would you like some ketchup? I still don't have any ketchup. I was like, no. I still, and so I'm like, okay, I'm lost on the whole ketchup deal. Get up to the room and go to get my, I was going to drink my coffee and Cutie's coffee. I open up my coffee to put my Splenda in it, and I look at it, and it was orange juice. She asked me if I wanted orange juice, not one use. Would you like one use. Would you love orange juice? My wife made fun of me all week. I did something even mildly goofy. And I, she'd go, one use. i make a wrong turn to hear the, the turn on the wrong thing with stupid GPS. The reason it has a woman voice, oh Lord. Well, I'm staying back. It's what I'm doing. And she said, One use. But if we think we know what it's about, and we come into it thinking we got it figured out, we're going to end up off track. We have to come into this, understand what's, what's really at work here. And it simply takes the simplicity of a child. We don't have to be a theologian to break down Palm Sunday. We don't have to know the Bible frontward to backward to break down Palm Sunday. Matthew 21 simply says, but when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple area, they saw the wonderful things that he had done, the children did as well, and the children are shouting, they're rejoicing, they're taking it all in. That's all we have to do. You know what? These religious people who thought they had it all figured out, they got mad. They got upset. says, they're shouting, Hosanna, son of David. And they got indignant. Do you hear what these kids are saying? They're telling Jesus, do you hear what they're saying? And he defends them. He says, yes, he replied. Have you never read from the lips of children in inference you have ordained praise? The perfect, most pure Praise is going to come from these little ones. We've just taken in the goodness of God. You see, the last thing we want to look at is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, ultimately, ultimately. And the palm fronds were about victory. And the palm fronds and the palms are all about that. But guess what? Ultimately, Palm Sunday is about leaves are, leaves are a good place to start. The, the fanfare, the excitement, the, the palm branches, those are a good place to start leaves by themselves are not a good finish. When it's all said and done, Jesus is looking for fruit. And we see this because he illustrates it because he immediately, in verse 17, right after having this encounter, he walks in and he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany where he'd spent the night. And early in the morning, he was back on his way to the city and he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. Folks, were are Christ followers. If all we do is get around up in the fanfare and have the leaves without any fruit growing, we're going to miss the boat. It's not just about the leaves. It's a great place to start, but that's not where we're going to stay. He said, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered, and the disciples saw this and were amazed and said, how did the tree wither so quickly? He said, if I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. See, Mark 4 even talks about the earth giving forth fruit. Fruit, fruit. But where does it start? First the leaf, then the head, then the full grain in the head. You know what? We're cool with the fact that maybe you're just starting that you're like, me and Jesus are cool. I'm a fan of Jesus. If you had a Facebook page, I'd like it. Um, we're all cool with Jesus. But see, where we want you to get, that's a great place to start. That's the leaf. But what we're wanting to do is we want to grow into full-out followers of Christ. Those that can walk in obedience. Those that Jesus can give the assignments to. Those that what we see happening going down on Palm Sunday. That's what we want it to grow into. First the leaf, then the head, and then the full grain in the head. Because see, what can happen is is Matthew 13 says, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it and make it not dead, but unfruitful. doesn't say the plant died. It just didn't bear fruit. Matthew 7 says, thus by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what is that? John 6, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then Luke 18 says, will he find faith on the earth? And we say, yes, he will. That's the answer he's looking for. Yes, we'll believe. We'll produce the fruit. We'll say yes to you. We're fans, we're followers, we're obedient, we're full in. That's the story of Palm Sunday. We have a king. Not just a buddy, not as awesome as it is, and that's where we start a savior, but we have a king. We have a king. Our king, Jesus, is looking for us to wave a different kind of palm. He wants us to wave our hands and trust. I surrender, I give it to you. And this morning, it starts right here. It starts right here. And what I'm going to have is a couple opportunities. I'd like everybody to kind of bow your head and close your eyes.